Well, hey guys, today I'm super excited because we get to sit down with my friend Alec as we talk about anxiety. Anxiety is one of those things, man, that has been brought to a forefront of a conversation here in recent years as mental health has gotten uh, even more of a highlight and as people have really started to begin to talk about understanding it and having empathy for it. And Alec here today gives some great resources and some great understanding to the conversation around anxiety. And so we're going to be diving into that today. I hope you enjoy the episode and I hope you find something that maybe helps you or resonates with you. Other than that, guys, if you are listening on iTunes, do me a favor and hit that rate and subscribe button. It means the world to me and it really does help out the show. If you're on Spotify, be sure to click that follow button. Share this share this on every social platform you can. And if you are on YouTube, click that like and subscribe button. Other than that, my friends, let's dive in to the Coffee with Craft podcast with my friend, Alec. Welcome to Coffee with Craft. Awesome. Well, hey, Alec, welcome to the show today. How you doing, man? Doing all right. Doing all Thanks right. Thanks for having me. Of course, buddy. Uh, so you guys don't know Alec Dalton maybe super well, but I have the privilege of having lived with you twice in our lifetime. Two times. Two whole times. If that tells you anything. We did it for, I think each, each period was only like three months. <laughs> Right, right. You left me, and then well, you no, left no, me no. again. No, no, no. That's not how it worked. So we lived together one summer, me and Alec did, in college. Uh, when I chose to stay uh, and work one summer, and he chose to stay and work one summer, and we found ourselves chilling in uh, a house together for three months, and then he moved on to off-campus housing and left me and disappeared off the face of the earth until I moved back to off-campus housing, and we we lived together until he then decided to, I don't know, get married and not put me in the wedding. <laughs> you know, uh, the the resentment there is really starting to, to hold over. <laughs> oh, is it, is it, Alec? I, I had no idea. I can only there... say I'm sorry so many times. <laughs> oh, man, joking aside. There is a, an important quality or a character... Trait for you to work on as far as forgiveness. Oh, forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I've repented. And have you repented? Guys, the sins of Alec Dalton run deep. I don't think you understand like how how great his sins are. I want to tell you guys at, a story. At this point, it's just I'm considered tainted. I don't really <laughs> think that. Oh, man. I, I'm so glad we're starting off this episode lighthearted because I feel like we're going to get deep later. And we need to... Uh, but before I have Alec introduce himself, I want to tell this story from my perspective. Uh, me and Alec were driving to Chipotle one night on our second stint of living together. And I was in this weird season of my life where like all my friends were dating somebody and I wasn't. I'm still in that season of life man, where now they're not dating somebody, they're married. But uh, I was just, I was talking to Alec about it and I was like, man... I really need, like, I need my bros to step up because I was really big into How I Met Your Mother at the time. I was like, I need someone to be my Barney and to wingman for me well. With the playbook. With the playbook and everything. And Alec was like, you know what, Eric? I'm going to step up. I got you. And so we walk into Chipotle, right? We walk in, and lo and behold, there's two girls who are at the front of the Chipotle line who went to our university. And I was like, oh, no, this isn't going to end well. And we walk up there and they see us and they're, you know, they're talking to us. We know them and 
we're having a casual conversation. And Alec was wearing this really awesome Stormtrooper t-shirt. It was a really great shirt. It was one of his staple outfit t-shirts. It was the Star Wars Stormtrooper t-shirt. And one of the girls goes, hey, I really like your shirt. And Alec goes, oh, thank you. <laughs> and then Alec turns, looks at me. And I, mind you, I'm just wearing a V-neck, like, striped t-shirt. Nothing fancy. Nothing classic great. Classic craft. Huh? Classic craft. Classic craft. You know, just a, a classic V-neck t-shirt with stripes on it. And my hair was probably poofy at the time. Uh, tremendously so back when I had the fro. And literally, Alec looked at me, looks at the girl, looks back at me, looks back at the girl. <laughs> and I go, oh no. Oh no, oh no. Like, inside, I'm screaming. And Alec goes, hey... <coughs> Eric has a nice shirt, too. And the girls awkwardly laugh. And I go, oh. <laughs> I remember getting in the car with you afterwards and berating you. <laughs> well, I don't understand what went wrong. You had a nice shirt on, so I don't, I don't really see the problem here. But, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was one of the moments where I realized Alec lucked into marrying his wife. <laughs> and should no longer be any of his <laughs> Uh, no, I, I still have my own playbook. Like that's that's number seven. That's number I mean, seven in your playbook. You never gave me a chance to use the other ones. So. I don't want to know the other ones. Well, you, there's still time, so there's you never know. Still time, uh, dear lord. But anyway, joking aside, that's a little bit of Alec from my perspective. Alec, tell the people who you are. Let them know a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, all that kind of stuff. Oof. Okay. So my name is Alec Dalton. I am. Married to my wife, Sierra Dalton. We have two small children, Samuel, who's two, and Lawson, who's one. Uh, we live in Erlanger, Kentucky. I am a licensed mental health counseling associate in the state of Indiana, so I work over in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, at Community Mental Health Center. And I've been there um, for the better part of three years probably now mm. as an intern first and then I was brought on full-time as a staff therapist and while I've been there I've done a number of I've served as a number of different roles so I did some group counseling work for uh, patients who are in recovery from addictions I've done a lot of individual counseling uh, working with patients who are trying to heal through trauma and uh, anxiety, depression, addiction, um, some some exposure, not tons of exposure with patients who have had more serious psychiatric conditions of schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, those kinds of things. Um, a lot of work that I've done has been from a cognitive behavioral therapy standpoint. Um, it's kind of the primary backbone for most treatments from a counseling pr perspective these days just because it tends to be the most evidence-based practices. But um, I am currently in a transition phase of life as I'm taking steps to pursue a career as a physician assistant, which um, is what they would call a mid-level provider. So you have your, your physicians or your doctors and then... Um, not really below them, more as kind of alongside them, you'll have your nurse practitioners and your physician assistants who are able to diagnose and treat conditions and kind of serve in all different areas of healthcare. So I, I, I'm kind of all over the place, yeah. really. Um, but that, that's a 
a long-winded summary of who I am, I guess. That's awesome. And uh, I brought Alec onto the show today because I really, man, guys, I wanted to have a conversation that I believed is super important, especially right now because as we're recording this, we are on the offset, uh, kind of coming out of what feels like a large portion of the pandemic. We're still in it, you know, like, but stuff is starting to reopen. We're recording this in July and uh, we're really starting to maybe see another side of this whole thing. But in the midst of this, my kind of life motto has been, I don't think anyone is thriving right now. Mm. And if they are, I think they're faking it. Because <laughs> uh, I know I personally, guys, I haven't done well in the midst of this pandemic. And maybe you haven't either. Maybe you struggle with depression. Or maybe you've struggled with anxiety. Or maybe you struggle with things that uh, have become a part of your new daily routine. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe a family member lost a job. Maybe um, you've had to work from home and you've had to manage children on top of trying to figure out how to get your work done. And you have these new rhythms that were really traumatically brought on to people. Like, I don't think people realize, like, what happened overnight was actually trauma, like, inducing. And even, really, even the people who've lost people due yeah. to the pandemic. I mean, families have been rocked by everything that's been going on with Oh, yeah. Actually, you know, losing family members and loved ones due to the illness that's been going around. So a lot right. has been going on. Man, it, and it has been crazy. I know as a somebody who works as a pastor in a local church, like I've, I've even walked with people who have lost loved ones for unrelated reasons uh, in the midst of this pandemic and how difficult it's been for them to grieve and have actual grieving processes because the whole world's turned upside down. And it feels like it's just another domino that's been knocked over on a sequence of dominoes that are crazy. Um, but in spite of all of that, I wanted to bring Alec on to have this really authentic conversation around anxiety and mental health issues. Because anxiety, it's one of those words I feel is tossed around a lot that people struggle, like people say they struggle with. But I don't know if people have like a really good working definition of what anxiety is. So I was just curious, Alec, if you can describe from your perspective, your professional perspective of what anxiety is, and then how can we start to combat anxiety as it approaches our lives? Sure. So um, if we were in a setting right now, uh, let's say we pretend you were a patient of mine and you were trying to understand anxiety, I'd, I'd actually ask you to define it for me first. So I'm going to do that to you, Eric, here <laughs> on, the, on the mic. What... When you think of anxiety, what do you think of? Yeah, so when I feel anxious in my own personal life, uh, I start to get like really fidgety and I start to maybe even get like a little paranoid and I start to get, um, I start to get restless. I feel this feeling of restlessness overtake me. Um, and sometimes like, man, I've experienced that and not been able to pinpoint what's making me anxious. You know, like I've experienced the moment where I've gone oh, like I, I'm feeling restless right now. And I've been able to like call it out and go, I'm feeling anxiety about something and start to like process that and go deeper or whatever. But for me, uh, it's, this, it's this experience of intense restlessness or sometimes even paranoia of like something's wrong and I feel it. Right. So, and that's very common with mm. anxiety is those symptoms and, you know, you can have anything on a range from kind of that trembling or that nervousness or that, achy feeling all mm -hmm. the way up to you know more serious like panic attacks and to the point where it gets so overwhelming where you shut down right but i think the challenge that we're already starting with when we define anxiety just in common language 
we're talking about symptoms. Yeah. <laughs> we're not talking about anxiety. We're talking about what happens because of anxiety. Ooh, and I think that yeah. that's a really pivotal thing that we need to focus on first is when I'm trying to, even as a clinician, when I'm trying to understand anxiety, I can't just look at the symptom piece because if I treat the symptom, ultimately it's not really going to, it'll help me in the moment. Right. But it's not going to give me long-term care for what's actually bringing that on. So mm. we have to kind of shift gears a little bit to think about what it actually is my anxiety. So where where is that coming from? And I believe, and this this isn't necessarily a textbook definition, this mm-hmm. is more my, my personal take, is that anxiety comes mostly from our insecurities. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. So bear with me while, while I try to break this thought down Absolutely. a little bit. So if um, our identity, who we are, whether that be in our work, in our families, mm-hmm. in our faith, who we are, that very much is going to shape how we approach anxiety, how it impacts us, how severely it impacts us. So if I am totally, 100% invested in my work, if I feel like that is what defines me, if I'm just saying I'm a therapist, that's what I do, the day I get fired yeah, is the day that I'm going to have the worst anxiety, possibly triggering even depression in the aftermath of it, because my security was all based in the idea of the work I do. Mm. This pandemic has really shown that in a lot of ways because it's shown where we had security or where we thought we had it. Yeah. And then we've had so much taken away from us mm. because of everything that's going on. I think that's obviously made a lot of um, people struggle even more with a lot of, whether it be anxiety, depression, bringing up some of those uh, past trauma experiences. There's, yeah. I mean, it brings it up. When we go through something that challenges our security, our beliefs, that's when our anxiety really spikes up. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't have to be a major thing either. That's the thing about anxiety is it can be a buildup of little things. Like, yeah. um, you know, you, you have a rough day at work, you come home, the house is a mess, and then you've got uh, cat pee to clean up <laughs> because they missed, or, the, you know, your, your kids, they're fighting, or, uh, I mean, it can be just a snowball effect really of yeah. the little things that add up and that causes anxiety to spiral out and that can lead to depression anger issues a lot of that kind of behavior mm-hmm. so um I, I hope i'm making sense here but i think when we think of anxiety it's really and i don't mean this to sound in any way like it's your fault right okay yeah <laughs> that, absolutely that you're causing the anxiety because that's not what i'm saying at all i'm saying that our anxiety comes from our fear of losing what we feel secure around. Mm. Okay, so hopefully that that makes sense. I no, that makes my, that makes a lot take. of sense. I think. Um, let me speak from like a personal experience and relate to that. Uh, so, and you know this, I went through a very uh, kind of dramatic job change to about two years ago, um, and I remember when I left that job how much my world turned upside down because my identity was rooted in my job title, right? Like who I was as a person, everything about me was Eric is this, 
not Eric is a bunch of other things, right? Like, but Eric is his job. And when I lost that job, man, I spiraled for like three or four months. And I remember like I was doing like just dumb stuff all the time. I drove to Tennessee on a whim one day because I wanted to run away. Like my anxiety got so bad that I was like, I was at a point where I was like, I need to run away. And so like, I just, I drove to Tennessee. I stopped four hours into some random Wendy's on the side of the road. I ate, <laughs> I ate a cheeseburger at this Wendy's and I got a text from my boss saying, Hey, we need to meet tomorrow about something. Uh, at the time, and I was like, ah, I guess I gotta go home, and I turned around and drove back. Um, but like, that's how like deep and like crazy it got for me for a moment. Um, and I think so much of what you're saying is true. Like when we lose security or when we've lost security, anxiety really starts to ramp up. So I love that. And even during the pandemic, when I lost the security of things I would enjoy, right? So right. like. Uh, I lost going to the movies and going to uh, my favorite restaurant in the Cincinnati area. It's a place called Brothers. I love this restaurant. Me and you have been a few times. Uh, I would spend my Friday nights. um, Friday nights were me time uh, before the pandemic started where I would go to Brothers. I would go for an early dinner. I would sit at the bar. I would have myself, you know, a burger or a sandwich or something that I really wanted that day. I would eat my I would eat my meal. I would have a beer. I'd be like, ah, this was great. And then I'd go see a movie because brothers in the movie theater are right next to each other. And movies were my time to decompress because I pay I pay 20 bucks a month for this thing called AMC uh, A-List. And what it is is you get three movies a week for 20 bucks a month. And you can see any movie, any format, IMAX, 3D, their Dolby Cinema, whatever you want to do, you get three movies, you know? That's awesome. 20 bucks, three movies a week? Heck yes. Overnight, that was gone. And I was like, well, this sucks. Um, You know, can't go to the movies anymore. Can't go to my favorite restaurant anymore. And I found myself stuck within these four walls. And I remember I started, like, I started losing it. I was like, I have no reason to get up in the morning. If I'm just literally going to be in my apartment all day. I don't have to film. And, like, I don't have to do anything for my job except film people. That doesn't happen until, like, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I can just sleep all day and stay up all night. Cool. That's what I started doing. I started developing these really unhealthy habits uh, that were signs of when I used to be depressed. And I was like, that's not good. (laughs) You know? And so for me, I had to start figuring out ways to cope with that and work around it and find a reason to get out of bed every morning. You know, like that was the big thing for me. I had to find a reason to get out of bed every morning. And so at the start of the pandemic, there was a coffee shop in the area uh, that I love dearly. That's a missional community coffee shop. They literally, uh, their proceeds go back into the community. They're a non-for-profit business that seeks to bring hope to people who are hopeless. And I know the friend who manages that shop. And I called him up and I said, do you need help? He was like, yes, but I can't pay you. And I said, okay, I'll be there for free coffee. And he says, that sounds perfect. And so it gave me a reason to get up every morning and to really start uh, to like work myself out of this, this depression or anxiety and things that I was struggling with. And so, um, that's kind of how I've dealt with it in the past. And maybe even like in the midst of this pandemic is really starting to like go through all that. Uh, but I would hear from your perspective, what are healthy ways for us to combat anxiety when it starts approaching, uh, our everyday lives? Because man, like if this pandemic has taught us anything, 
It's that life is uncertain, and we're probably going to experience something, maybe not like the coronavirus again, but we're going to experience a loss of security again. Right. So when that happens, how do we, uh, how do we combat that? You know, it, it's one of these things that uh, we're not just talking about a, it's not like a sore throat. Mm. You, you go to the doctor and they'll give you a medication and it'll be over and fixed in a couple of days. Yeah. We're, we're talking about a, a state of mind and illness mm. that flares up and impacts every aspect of our life. So a lot of times counselors or in counseling, you'll hear something about the wheel of wellness. Yeah. Okay. And essentially it's the concept that you, you take every aspect of your life, your your personal life, your social life, your emotional life, your spiritual life, your occupational life, your um, just every aspect of life, and you weigh it out yeah. to see how is it balanced, what areas need work. And the reality is when, when we're struggling with anxiety, when we're struggling with depression, when we're struggling with bipolar, symptoms of trauma, all these things, it impacts all the areas of our life. Yeah. So uh, to answer it and how do we cope with it, uh, how do we deal with it, it, it's more about how do I, how do I learn to care for myself? Mm. How do I learn to heal throughout the rest of my life? I'm not Ooh. just talking about, yeah. you know, your, your three sessions with your counselor aren't going to get it done. Mm. Um, we, we're talking about long-term care. Yeah. Um, essentially taking care of your soul. Because I think really, and this is something that in a counseling setting, you probably wouldn't get to until you were maybe like 20 sessions in or something. Right. Just because of how much trust, how much work needs to be done to be able to to really invest and be at a point where you can reflect that much. And some people get there a lot sooner because they're working on their own to do that. But, right. Um, I really think at the core, it goes back to how am I, how am I able to identify myself is going to translate directly to where is my security in? Mm. So, I mean, this is, uh, it's no secret probably that, you know, you're from a faith background. I'm from a faith background. Yeah. So obviously that's going to be our rock center of that should be where our security is. It's yeah. not always, um, and I mean, we both could go back and forth about how that's been challenged many times and <laughs> yeah. times and times over. As far as what we do in the in the day to day to take care of it, though, ultimately, I th- so I'm gonna bounce off your story for a minute because I think our gut reaction is to do what you were talking about when our anxiety is up, when we're feeling so overwhelmed by everything going on. We want to run. Yeah. We want to get away from it. And mm. not just get away, we also want to isolate. Yeah. We don't want to deal with anybody. Absolutely. Nothing is more damaging, more harmful, more triggering to anxiety. Nothing makes it more severe than when we isolate. Mm-hmm. Same thing with depression. When we isolate, when we shut down, it's just fuel on the fire. Mm. Oddly enough, that's what our brain tells us to do, though, is to get away. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's mainly the illness or the condition or the state of mind that we're in. Mm. It's pushing us to shut down because if you think about it like a living thing, yeah, that's what it lives off of. So it's going to tell us to do that. Yeah. So what we have to do 
is really work to have healthy relationships with others mm. that show us genuine loving care Yeah. so that we can learn to do that for ourselves Ooh. when we do have those moments. We have to develop, and there's ultimately, you know, when you first start counseling, you're going to have sessions about coping skills. Like, everybody wants to talk about coping skills, and, you know, there's definitely a place for that. You need to be able to, when it's you're feeling the intensity of your emotions, to be able to uh, reflect on a place that made you really feel peaceful mm -hmm. so that you can help yourself kind of enter into that peaceful state. You need yeah. to be able to distract your mind enough to give yourself a break to be able to like if we were to um, a, a real simple one that I'll do with patients just to get started because sometimes they'll just be going and going and going telling me about all the things that they're worried about and I'll just say stop mm -hmm. <laughs> okay I want you to pick one thing in the room mm. I want you to try to describe it to me in as much detail as possible yeah and so they'll look at my office and they'll usually pick the bookshelf or a picture that's on the wall mm. and so I'll, I'll go with a picture that's on your wall it's and I'll try to describe this briefly there's a, a snowy setting uh, in a forest there's a wooden barn it's a mix of a lighter brown and a darker brown and up above on the barn there's a white window uh, with a trim around it I guess it's maybe about eight inches thick and um, it wraps all the way around that window, and then it has two big brown doors that you would pull open if you were to walk into it and shut. Uh, it looks like there's a stony rock base around it. Wow. And then at some point. Yeah. So I can do that because I practice it on the rank. <laughs> all right? Like, you're so describing I, that in such detail. I was like, man, like, that is, I bought it because I looked cool. I didn't, like, even go into that detail when right. I bought it. What were we talking about before I started doing that, Eric? We were talking about coping with anxiety. Okay. And, yeah. Do you remember the sentence I said? I right don't. Before? That's the point. <laughs> okay? That's the point of yeah. that skill is because it's very intentional that it gives you a break from whatever was really causing you stress. Mm. A lot Man. of times you won't remember what it was right off the bat, and that's nice to just have a break because I think that's one of the, the biggest challenges, the most exhausting thing. When you have anxiety, is it just yeah. feels like it never stops. Your mind is always running around those things that are in your head. Or there's new things that keep coming up. And sometimes we just need some rest. Mm. And not sleep. I'm not talking about you need to sleep. I'm saying you need to mentally have a break. Yeah. And to do that, you need to be able to do things like pick something out and just spend time describing it. You can mm. do the same thing in scripture, like meditate on the word and be right. able to just really reflect on what it is, explore the context, try to understand the meaning behind it. You can, I've always said with coping skills, mm -hmm. there's no real textbook way to do them. And I want you to make them your own. Mm. Okay. Because that's the only way yeah. they're useful. I'm sure everybody's on the planet at this point has done a breathing exercise at some point. Yeah. My Apple watch tells me to do it all the time. Okay. Right. <laughs> I, you know, for the longest time, I, I said I hated breathing exercises, okay, yeah. as a counselor, because I think, um, mainly one, I didn't practice it enough, <laughs> and two, because I didn't make it my own. Mm. Everyone, like, everyone would tell me, like, this is how you do it, and I'd do it, and it wouldn't work. I'd be like, well, that's, that's terrible. Like, right. why would I try to do something that's not working until I decided, okay, I'm going to do mine to a song that I like, 
and I'm going to change how long I breathe in and breathe out to suit my breathing because your breathing pattern is different from mine. Because our bodies are different. Right. You have to make these things actually apply to you. And that's yeah. how you get through the day is you, you can take coping skills that you learn from mm. counseling or the internet or wherever you get them from, but you have to make them their, your own. Yeah. You make it personal, and that's what makes it helpful. Is because you're able to say, this is what I'm going to do in this moment if I'm feeling this way. And yeah. in that way, it gives you a lot of power over your anxiety, too, because you have a plan. Yeah. You're not just in a situation where, like you were saying at the beginning when you were describing it, I don't know what this is. I don't know what to do. Yeah, you know what it is, and you know some things you can try. Yeah. And if they don't work, that's great mm. because you're able to say, I know that tool doesn't work. Yeah. I can tune it up. I can find a different one that will work. But again, I'm going back to the concept of we're not treating something that you're going to fix in a couple days. Yeah. This is a lifelong thing that you will have to upgrade your tools. You'll have to mm. find new ones, build new relationships. Absolutely. And that is what comforting anxiety is about. It's mm. about long-term care, not about the quick fix. Absolutely, because at the end of the day, reality says, like, there is no quick fix, right? Like, I, I have honestly probably struggled with anxiety my whole life. Like, I could probably trace it back to when I was younger and stuff like that. Don't know the triggering point. We'll just blame my parents. They were great parents, but I'll blame them anyway. Um, jokes aside, right? But, like, when anxiety comes, like, now that I have really pinpointed it, have sought help with it, have gone through help with it, and when it comes up now, I'm like, if I'm feeling restless, I need to like shut off technology. Like that, like that's one of the first things that gives me like I know, like when my anxiety ramps up, like I'm on Twitter. Like I, I hate to say it, but like, man, if you've been on Twitter throughout any part of this pandemic, it sucks. Like you get on, you're like, all right, what new thing is broken today? Mm-hmm. Like that's what we get on, right? And I realized for like my own sanity, man, I had to shut social media off for like a large part of my day like i had to be like all right you know what i can i can keep tiktok on my phone and make funny videos throughout the day but like twitter you have to go off the phone and i can't open you on my computer for a while and like hey facebook like you need to be taken off my phone for a few days as well to like really and it's it's cutting out stuff right that is bad for us and replacing it with stuff that is good for us right, right. and so man like one of the best things i did throughout the entirety of this pandemic when i was really feeling anxious I just went to the park. There's a beautiful park five minutes from me where I live. And man, like it is, has a beautiful view of the city, has a beautiful view of uh, all of Cincinnati and the river and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go to the park. I'm gonna walk the trails. I'm gonna find a place to sit, find a place to read, maybe listen to an audiobook, And I'm just gonna get out, right? Because I needed to like really like one i had to stay away from people but i knew i needed to get out of these walls and so and i found that really helped me and so i love what you said right because it's about making it your own and finding ways to cope with it so i really enjoyed that and i'll add one other thing onto that too yeah because i i can almost hear people listening that starting to say i don't have time to do that eric Mm. i don't have time to do that absolutely and what i want to challenge those people to try to think about I want you to let yourself do those. Mm. You let yourself. And what I mean by that is so often we're quick to say, I don't have time to go to the park. I don't have time to take 
10 minutes out of my day to do some guided meditation that the counselor threw at me. I don't have time to... And what I want to say is you have to let yourself Mm. push aside the other things for you to take care of yourself. Absolutely. For those that might be listening who are always taking care of others, you have to let yourself take care of yourself. For Mm. those who are constantly worried about if their income's coming or if they're going to be able to manage the kids on their own today or whatever, those who are constantly worried or thinking about things they've lost, you have to let yourself have the opportunity to heal. Absolutely. That's with anything in our health, right? Like We have to let ourselves have moments where we can really get to be better and focus on things. I'm going to go to a pastoral perspective because I'm a pastor. Um, I remember one time uh, I was sitting in a room full of people and we were talking about uh, devotion time and how important devotion time is to the walk of a Christ follower. And there's a mom in the room. Uh, She wasn't a single mom. She was a mom. She had a really awesome husband. Her husband's great. She's a great mom. She had two awesome kids. Like they're a really good family, but she was very much lamenting over the fact she's like, as I do, I struggle like with my kids and with stuff to like take care of them and to get stuff done. I struggle with getting my devotion time in. And we started, you know, processing through that and working through that. And I got some flack for this from some of the older people who are like, you haven't had kids yet. So you just don't understand. And I was like, but the, but the underlining principle of what I'm saying here is true is I'm like, man, like you have to, you have to like really start to analyze your time if you want to let yourself do something and you want to get better. It's almost like taking a time on it. It's like, hey, did you spend 15 minutes scrolling through Instagram today? Cool. That's 15 minutes you could have been like uh, doing something for your mental health. Like whether that's exercising, whether that's uh, breathing exercises, whether it's taking a walk, like whatever it is, like that's 15 minutes you could have done something for your mental health. It's really starting to be intentional with how you spend your time and what you're distracting yourself with, I think, too. Right. And I think that's the the key point there is, are we distracting ourselves Mm. or are we filling, are we just trying to get away? Yeah. Facebook, Twitter, all of it is a getaway to try to avoid it. And while they're, they're good platforms, I mean, I use them. Yeah. Obviously, you know, it's one way we stay connected, but... When we turn to that consistently mm. as our escape, as our break, yeah, it is not a break because <laughs> it continues to fuel the parts of your brain that are most weary, most broken down, yeah. which is why whether you set aside a few minutes from take it out of your Instagram time or if you make it a priority every day at work mm-hmm. that you use part of your break for mental health care if you want to if you're a morning person not me but if you're a morning person (laughs) and you want to get up early to do that again it goes back to making it personal for you yeah you you are the only one that has the ability to make the time for you absolutely and it has to be you i can't do it for you eric can't do it for (laughs) you It, it has to be you letting yourself have that time yeah and that's so pivotal for you, for your family, for the work that you do, whatever mm-hmm. it may be, um, because it gives you a minute to recenter, yeah. to remember where your securities are, where you lean on, who you are. It helps you define that when you actually give yourself time to be you. Yeah. Man, that is so incredibly good. Hey, I want to ask one final question today. No. 
No. <laughs> Just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, we have to laugh because this is very deep stuff. Uh, but it's a question I think is important. Because in my conversations with a lot of different people, um, I have people all the time who, uh, especially in my line of work, working with students and stuff like that, who will go, I don't buy into that anxiety thing, or I don't buy into uh, depression, or I don't buy into this. Like, I, people just need to toughen up. You know, I hear, I hear that phrase a lot, which that phrase in my heart, like, makes me want to punch somebody. I'm like... Oh, yeah, all I need to do is toughen up. How about I toughen up with your face? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, like, I hear I hear that stuff, right? <clears throat> and then the skeptic in me and the person in me who questions a lot, who starts to really analyze everything and who loves to look at culture, starts to ask himself this question of, is there validity to this idea? Because at the end of the day, what people are really saying behind that idea that I believe is they're saying we've romanticized or we've elevated the mental health issue and not the mental health solution, you know? And I was just curious your thoughts on that as a counselor and if there is like, hey, like, you know, the solution, do it. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I, I wish I, there was the solution mm. uh, to the problem, but I I think, you know, what you were talking about, first, it, it's always going to come back to at the beginning, understanding what we're dealing with. Yeah. Uh, those people who say they don't buy into it, they don't accept it. I I will. I wonder how much they know truly about what anxiety is, what mm. depression is. I, I mean, a lot of it too. In in a lot of circumstances, it's not the person; it's a brain chemistry issue. Mm. That's where psychiatry comes in, and that yeah. treatment is. You know, I'm always going to lean on, and this is just pretty common practice usually, that counseling is your first option because, you know, we don't want to push medicine more than we need to. Right. But there is a place where you need medical treatment sometimes to Mm. manage mood, to manage how we handle situations because the brain chemistry, the genetics of how we're wired are sometimes putting us at a a position where we're not as able to manage. At a disadvantage. Right. So I think... That's a good place to under, to start in understanding this is that it is a combination not just of our experiences and things that have gone on in life, but also there's some genetic pieces there um, that predispose us to be more likely to having struggles with certain issues, mm. whether it's anxiety um, or depression. But in terms of have we, I think the word you used was romanticized it. Yeah. Right? I. I don't think we've romanticized it. I think the trouble is the reason why we don't have, you know, the, the obvious solution is because we still don't really know. Mm. Uh, and again, this is my my experience and what I've seen. You can go to counselors who will help you learn the coping skills to yeah. manage day to day. You can see a psychiatrist who can help you manage symptoms day to day. We don't always know, though. Just like, you know, you know yourself best. We don't always know what the root cause is Yeah. for anxiety, for mm. depression. I've had a number of patients who have been, who battle anxiety today. And even the ones who can point a cause. So a lot of trauma victims mm-hmm. will battle and struggle with anxiety through their lives. And you can pinpoint that one. Yeah. But the reality is you still have to take care and comfort and heal daily through the rest of your life Mm. it is not do we romanticize it 
no. I think we just, we're still struggling to figure out how to take care of it in an effective way. Mm. We're still trying, and we're getting there. Yeah. Like we, we have counseling, we have mental health treatment, we have medications that help patients. We're just not able to do all of the work that needs to be done to help a person heal completely. And I don't know that we'll get there, to be honest with you, because, again, we're going back to the the understanding that this is a chronic condition. Mm. It's something we're always going to be taking care of, tr- trying to help ourselves heal throughout our whole life until our life is done. That is what our, one of our things that we bear. Yeah. Um, one of the crosses, I guess, that we bear. But... I hope that answers your question. It does. I really do. I appreciate that perspective because I think, man, I think there is so a lack of education around mental health issues uh, just in general. And so I think the more we can learn together and the more we can pursue holistic health together, really the better. And so, uh, man, dude, this has been a great conversation. As always, when we get together, it's always fun and I enjoy my time with you. Hey, any last words to the listener uh, before we sign off for today? Um, you know, as we, we've talked a lot about anxiety specifically, Mm -hmm. um, I think anxiety is one of the more noticeable of mental health conditions. It's, and you know, it's because of the symptoms that we talked about at the very beginning. They're very obvious. They're ones we're able to pick up on. Depression is another one that's really, Mm really obvious to us when we're starting to feel it and yeah true depression is just very crippling um but i think they're often related they Mm. go hand in hand yeah and it's all the more reason to really understand one that you know we're we're trying to battle something around our identity and shaping who we are and in a lot of ways we're building faith Mm. we're trying to find who we are and where we stand and things but one of the things that I think I see so often is we beat ourselves up for being anxious. Mm. We get so mad that we're so depressed and we can't get up and keep going. We we have plans, we have things we want to do, and we just can't get going. Yeah. And that's so defeating because we blame ourselves for that. And mm. one one other thing that I guess I want people to be working on and doing is blaming the illness and not blaming yourself. Mm. Because I think you need to... We as far as part of that um, work to be able to identify yourself, you have to separate your identity from your mental illness. Yeah, I mean it's very much our modern day spiritual warfare. In that, if we let our depression or anxiety define us, mm. then that will rule because we are saying that that is us. Yeah, that is our fault. We have to get over it. And society tells us that, that we got to get over our depression or anxiety. Mm. And that's just not the truth. Yeah. Because it's an illness. Mm. As much as a sore throat is you, that's what we're saying essentially is that anxiety is your problem. Yeah. Just like you caused that sore throat, you caused your anxiety. That's the equivalent. (laughs) Right. And that sounds ridiculous to say. (laughs) Yeah. But that's essentially what we're doing. Mm. And so... I hope that people are able to start and continue to be able to say, even on the worst of days when they're really struggling, I want them to literally blame their anxiety. Like people are, you know, you'll hear some people that are like, you're just blaming your anxiety or your depression. I want you to do that because I want it to be something 
that's separate from you. Mm. I don't want that to be a part of who you are because I think that destroys the beauty in a lot of people. Ooh. So, man, that'll be, that's I guess, good. my final thought on that. But Dude, that's so good. Uh, Alec, once again, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate you a whole heck of a ton. Thanks for uh, having me. Even appreciate when you're it. a bad wingman. I'm a horrible wingman. <laughs> like, I, I would not pick me ever, ever. <laughs> to be a wingman. But, you know, I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> and he's tried, ladies and gentlemen. But, uh, gosh, uh, so appreciative of you, so appreciative of this conversation today. Hey, if you are struggling today, I uh, just want you to know you are loved, you are cared for, you are valued. Uh, because of the nature of this episode, the suicide hotline is in the show notes and description of this episode. If you are struggling, please don't hesitate to reach out for help because you are loved and you are valued and we are better with you being here. Other than that, guys, I just want to say thank you again for pulling up a chair to the table and thank you for having a conversation with us on the Coffee with Craft podcast. I'll see you next time.